This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. 8.36 a.m. on Friday the 17th of February. You're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Philip C. and Chong Jen Sun. In half an hour, we have the opening bell where we check out how Bursa Malaysia begins the trading day. But for now, we are turning our attention to the size of the civil service and how it impacts government operating expenditure. As Malaysia's national debt, including liabilities, has reached 1.5 trillion ringgit, Prime Minister Datuk Sri Anwar Ibrahim's administration has set their eyes on reducing OPEX and expanding revenue base. One of the elephants in the room that cannot be ignored in this uh, conundrum or in this calculation would be the size of the civil service, their emoluments and pensions. It's a very big elephant. With a population of around 33 million, Malaysia has around 1.7 million workers serving as civil servants. And in order to keep this, upkeep this, the portion of total OPEX allocated to paying public sector workers rose from 38% in 2010 to 52% in 2022, with 115 billion ringgit of remuneration paid to civil servants, this was more than triple than what we had spent for development. So, as the reduction of fiscal deficit takes priority, how should we relook at the size of the civil service in Malaysia? For some thoughts on this, we speak to Dr. Trisha Yo, CEO of the Think Tank Ideas. Trisha, good morning. Thanks very much for joining us. Now, there's long been a debate about the size of the civil service in Malaysia. How do you think this how can we get it to the right size should we be looking at the hiring process yeah so i think um there's this common narrative that we have a very bloated civil service um and i think the number that has gone around is that uh the ratio between the civil service and the population is amongst the highest in asia pacific uh, i've seen this you know being shared quite widely over the last few years but um I think we also need to be careful about the definitions, right? Because we know that the civil service in Malaysia definition actually includes um, the totality of the Ministry of Education and Ministry of Health and also um, the police, right? So the armed, um, the the uniformed uh, bodies. Uh, So meaning that, you know, all of the education and health service civil servants are calculated throughout the country into that number, And uh, the problem here is that because many countries don't take that into consideration because the health and education services of those countries are actually decentralized to the sub-national level, meaning that the national level does not uh, hire or pay for these individuals. So sometimes that is not taken into calculation. So I think we just need to be careful there. Um, But it does raise a very important question about um, you know whether in the long run we need to really think about decentralizing health and education services or even um, enforcement services like the police to the states because um, in many federations uh, like uh, South Africa or, or Australia uh, and so on, the, the services of health and education, um, even if it is not entirely decentralized to the states, but there is a sort of sharing um, going on between the federal and the state governments, whereas in Malaysia, it's entirely federal-led, right? So, um, I mean, I don't want to say what the exact right size is, but I just want to focus on how the definitions are made, and then we can make those sorts of comparable um, and you know relative comparisons across countries and across regions and across different country types as well in a much better, more informed manner. 
Trisha, is there a mismatch of manpower as we don't have enough civil servants in sectors such as healthcare and education? How can we sort this out? If we separate out each of these various services, as I've mentioned, like education, health, uh, enforcement officers like the police, and then the rest of the support staff in the administration, then we can properly evaluate the efficiency of the civil service, right? So then that brings me to the next question, which is that um, it sounds like we have this bloated civil service, but at the same time, we know that the capacity of healthcare and education, I think particularly in healthcare, is very acute uh, and, and acutely lacking, right? So um, this is why I think separating out the different services is, is like the, at the foremost, uh, very important, then we can evaluate it. But on the note of efficiency and quality of the civil service, the, the rest of the support administration, I mean, right? Um, that really needs to be evaluated because I think the question is, um, you know, just doing a calculation of how many how many support staff are actually needed to support a specific department or agency? Um, and then maybe, of course, questions will also arise as to the necessity of having a particular agency, if at all. So that, that there are bigger questions here, not just about the civil service alone, but the uh, the efficiency of certain agencies and departments. Are they being put to full use? Um, are they uh, accomplishing the goal and objective for which they were set up? Um, and then you talk about the next level of questions, which is uh, are the number of staffing provided in that agency too excessive? Um, could it be better run with a much smaller, more functional, more empowered uh, layer of leaders within that particular agency? And then finally, the third level would be to ask whether the staff who are actually employed within these agencies, are they being evaluated um, based on the same types of KPIs that do exist within the private sector, right? Like, do they um, perform on an annual basis? Are there any uh, rewards or punishments if performance is not um, being held to mark? You know, the kind of things that we would normally do uh, outside of the government, I think those practices need to be shed light on. Like, what, what are the... Uh, the performance evaluation methods that are taken up. And I'm sure there is a form of that. It's just that uh, perhaps this has not been made very publicly well-known. Um, and now that there are questions and that these questions have been around for a long time about the efficacy and efficiency of the civil service, um, this is the right time to, to be very transparent and forthright uh, with the public as to how uh, these officers are being evaluated because ultimately this expenditure is very much on public purse, right? It's based on um, taxpayers' money. In 2010, 38% of OPEX went into paying the salaries and benefits of public sector workers. And in 2021, it was at 52% of OPEX. Is this rate of growth worrying? And is the issue within the salary and pension scheme? So I agree at the outset that these numbers, the escalation uh, is worrying because we know that ideally in any budget, um, the CAPEX or the capital expenditure needs to be in a larger percentage than the OPEX, the operating expenditure, because um, CAPEX is what ultimately contributes to greater development in the country in the long run. But we also do know that um, it is growing at a worrying rate. The OPEX expansion and also the fact that pension scheme for the civil service 
um, is actually quite unsustainable in the long run. And this is something that we've heard from even within governments already. But I think uh, more research is actually needed. So without having done the research to know whether the increase in percentages have got to do with an increase in the numbers of staffing or is it an increase in the quantum of salary? Um, we can't actually ascertain what the actual problem is now. Uh, but in some, I think on the one hand, we don't want emoluments to grow so worryingly high like this. But on the other hand, we, I think, need to grapple with the fact that we do want to attract the best talent into the civil service as well, right? Because there are also complaints in the past, especially um, in certain sectors which are perhaps more acutely exposed to the possibility of bribery. So you're talking about um, departments that have contact points with, say, logistics or like customs, uh, immigration, those kinds of agencies. If they don't get paid very well, then I think there is also that tendency that they will be more susceptible to receiving uh, remuneration in order to supplement the salary. I mean, I'm not trying to justify uh, why they do that, but I think we need to really be able to strike a balance between attracting the best talent uh, and then stopping the emoluments from growing so exponentially. So besides the size of the civil service, how can we ensure better financial management of allocated OPEX in order for the civil service apparatus to operate with maximum efficiency? I think it goes back to how are we evaluating the existing um, talent that we do have amongst the civil service pool? Um, you know, is there allowance for for uh, punishment to take place? I mean, the Auditor General's report just came out and I think it was found that, uh, again, I think it was 158 million ringgit that was stated um, that the country has lost as a result of poor financial management. And so the question is, when these kinds of digressions take place within the civil service, and that's just one example, right? I'm sure there are many, many other examples of poor performance that can be evaluated. Um, then that needs to be handled well because what happens when you don't handle those cases well is that they become um, they they weigh heavily on the rest of the civil servants who are actually performing, and they also lend a bad name and reputation and credibility. Whereas there are those amongst uh, the you know the PTD or even some among the, the the officers themselves who are performing and doing very well, so it's not fair to them uh, if the evaluations are not being done in a very stringent manner. So I would actually go back to enhancing the quality um, in order to improve our financial management in the long run. And if we are seriously talking about making sure that our fiscal health, our debt management is done well. Um, there's a lot of talk about the Fiscal Responsibility Act now, for example. Then this is the time um, to really address the core problems that continue to plague the civil service that have not been addressed for many years. And Trisha, all of this is to reduce OPEX of the country. But what else should be the focus of the government to be more fiscally responsible? I mean, reducing OPEX, of course... Um, there's already some efforts to, you know, possibly cut down agents, cut down agencies, cut down a uh, number of staff. Um, they are cutting the constituency development funds to members of parliament. So I think um, my observation is that 
there is a very serious approach and effort being taken by the current government to address this uh, issue, but I don't think it is going to be anywhere near enough. So the World Bank office in Malaysia has already said as much that uh, while these things are being received well, and you know we at Ideas receive these things well as well, um, we also agree with the World Bank that expanding the tax base and increasing the revenues ultimately would be the way to think about fiscal management in a healthy way in the long run. Um, I think there was also talk about the possibility of listing Petronas as a way of um, increasing uh, or rather reducing the public um, debt and expenditure. But I think that a more long-term and sustainable solution needs to be considered. And amongst them is the very, very sensitive uh, issue of a restoration of a consumption tax, um, which I know, you know, every government would shy away from. But it has happened before, you know, I'm talking about the GST. And um, I think it also goes back to the question of federal and state relations. Uh, I know this is very far from many people's minds, but if you look at other federations that already have a form of consumption tax like GST, uh, not only does the national level government collect the GST, but states also collect their own form of GST or their own form of consumption tax. Um, and this is where if states can be given a bit more autonomy to run their finances, then they would also be able to start spending on the services that they can provide, um, which reduces the burden of debt on the federal government. But this is a really longer, it's a bigger, longer conversation, but it's something that's very urgent. And I hope uh, it happens now because it sounds like we are at a critical stage where um, we need to evaluate or re-evaluate the, the functions, responsibilities and divisions of power between the various levels of government. Trisha, thanks very much for the chat. That was Dr. Trisha Yo, the CEO of Ideas, the think tank, talking to us about how the civil service can be right-sized and other uh, ways that the government should consider in order to you know, put the fiscal uh, coffers back in place. 8.50 a.m. in the morning, we're heading into some messages. And when we come back, we'll dive into perspectives of uh, from Southeast Asia on U.S.-China power contestation. Stay tuned to BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.